podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Post-Match Raw Without Ireland. I'm your host for today, Guy, and I don't even have Dave with me. We've gone full English. I have Jim and Cal with me. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. Yeah, it is a bit different, isn't it, without the Irish lads here, but, you know, we'll, we'll do our best. Bring some crack. Exactly, Carl, and welcome to the Brexit podcast. <laughs> are you going to be James Milner today? Yes, yes. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be Lalana Henderson? I'll be uh, who who is less hated by the masses. I'll, I'll try not to get on the bad side of it. By the masses, it was definitely Milner. He's the most liked. I think now after all the the Hullabaloo uh, Henderson's cause, and I've just used Hullabaloo for the first time in my life. I don't know why, but we'll move on from that. Um, we will go for English players that played for Liverpool as we go. Um, Carl, you predicted this game right. Congratulations. Oh, many thanks. Exactly. Um, what what. Did you get any more nervous towards the start of the game or when you saw the starting 11s or anything like that? No, this was um, unusually really, 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 really good starting 11 that I think everybody I spoke to was happy about, basically. Um, I think, to be honest, the front three is one that we've been waiting to see in tandem, or quite a few people have been waiting to see in tandem at least for quite a while, so it was nice to see them get the opportunity. Um, West Ham's lineup was exactly as expected, basically, so... I must admit, feeling pretty good heading into this match. Yeah, we'll do our usual crack of going through the starting elevens in a min. But I mean, Jim, that that was probably the main question coming into the into the game. It is the starting eleven. Obviously, um, the two South American lads played in midweek, and maybe people thought we'd continue the rotation. But do you think maybe not undisputed? But do you think that that free that started is now Klopp's go-to forward line? I think so, yeah. I think it's it's the one that kind of does a bit of everything that he needs because they've got they've got plenty about them to do sort of more than one thing. If you sort of I don't know the other, the other two lads are kind of a little bit more sort of pigeonholed in what they can do. But yeah, I would say that's his um, that's his go to front three. What's going to be interesting to find out is it feels like that's also turning into his go to middle three, um, which is good for Jones. But um, we'll see as time goes on with the other lads we've signed whether they're going to get more of a look in. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they get sorted. Um, I'll get up to more speed and get more opportunities, but we do have a busy schedule ahead. Um, Carl, I'll come to you for the for the Liverpool starting eleven. Um, kind of as expected. Obviously, we weren't sure on Ebu's fitness and and Trent's fitness, but if they weren't fit, that's probably the team we'd expect. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ibu obviously is still working back a bit. We saw him start midweek and I thought he was all right, but came off half towards the end of the game. So not totally unexpected, especially when we've got midweek matches coming quite regularly now when 
you know the opposition might not be quite up to the normal standard um so we we have the option to to rotate as we want in the middle of the weeks at the minute um so there's no need to take any risks for sure and also if you look sort of over the longer term of the entire season if we are hoping to go deep in europe deep in at least one of the domestic cups then probably you want to spread out the minutes a little bit even with the defenders so not the worst thing to give Matt it maybe another game here and then maybe he might be out the team for you know six seven league games in a row at some point so at least he has got those minutes under his belt earlier on so I don't have a problem with it um and with Trent obviously you just you just don't want to take any any risks of any setbacks at all because he is very important for us but at present I think we've we've spoken about it ourselves as well on Scouted beforehand, the midfield changes this summer means there's less emphasis on needing Trent's creativity every single game and to be really good every single game. So while not any kind of a positive that he's out injured, it is a positive that Liverpool have still been able to create and give teams quite a lot of trouble in different ways without him. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think we do have to... (sighs) Reduce the over reliance on on players like Trent as well, and we we've seen that with the new lads in midfield. They are they are fantastic, and we'll get into them um, as the goals flow uh, later on. Um, Jim obviously did scout at Tommy's and had a little look at the game. Um, West Ham, I won't go through their full eleven, but they have some impressive players, and obviously made a nice start to the, to the season. Is there any players that? beforehand worried you we obviously had those Antonio comments as well about finishing <laughs> above Liverpool um, but any anyone you want to pick up from the West Ham side yeah I mean one of the biggest worries for me today was um, with it being a bit windy whether anyone would bring a big cat's head to the game you know it could have sort of injured someone if it was a little bit blown about in the wind for one of their players we'll not not give him a mention but Antonio's comments before the game as well I think if anything you know I mean, as Jay said, you kind of got your team talk partly done then, haven't you? You just throw that in front of your players and say, look what he's saying, kind of almost talking like the game's already won. And um, and he's one of the players that can kind of, I don't know, I always feel like he, he doesn't do as much as he can. Um, the, the, he could be such a better player, but isn't, you know, and he has these little moments. And I can say that, I would say, for quite a lot of their team. And I know I'm being a little bit biased. And I know I'm saying this sort of after, after the event, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, the... They're not all sort of um, plays that are kind of 100% great, if that makes sense. They're not sort of consistently good enough, but that's the other side to it as well. They're, they're all those plays who can do that thing where, you know, they can make a good little YouTube clip of themselves. And th- that was my sort of worry, if you like, that we might just have one of those moments where we kind of let ourselves get mugged. Um, maybe we did. Let's not spoil what goes on later on in this podcast. But um, more, you know, and I think that was the case. The only other, the only other player I was sort of thinking, I keep hearing a lot about um, Margarita Pakatan. I mean, uh, Pakatar, whatever his name is. Um, you know, these kind of plays that can just sort of cause you a bit of a, a bit of a worry here and there in a game. But you know, on the whole, as good as they've been this season up to now, I just feel you know they're the kind of squad that we should be able to deal with. Um, probably better than we did today at times so yeah I wasn't too worried leading into it um you just you know there's no surprises there's no um no big names there I don't think there's going to be loads of people going to what's left in that squad now trying to get paying 100 million pound for anyone and maybe that's the other thing as well one of the uh most creative plays if you like was missing now because he got sold in the summer Jim, can I just nip in and ask you what, about what you're saying about the West Ham players there like some of them obviously very talented but you don't think that they perform let's say to their max often Mm. enough 
do you think that that's a player thing or do you think that because there's so many of them there that's a bit of a, a moisey or a system thing I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is a Moisey thing. I think, um, you know, do, does does Moisey want to get the best out of them or does Moisey want them to play his way? Um, I feel a lot of those players could be better at other clubs, you know, with different teammates around them. Um, so you end up with players that, in a way, end up being um, like a big fish in a small pool, so to speak. Um, and I can just remember when I've seen him, when I've been at Anfield and seen Antonio, you know, he's just basically causing trouble all game in a kind of irritating um irritating way that that players who kind of play there you know when you get the teams that play the kind of long balls that kind of you know annoying the the, the center forwards pushing people around in the box and trying to win free kicks from nothing um to me you know i think there's an ability in that player to do more than that but that is the way Moy sets them out isn't it i mean that's what i think anyway yeah it just gets a bit reductive at times doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah i mean i just to hop a bit forward and when we were 2-1 up and they were still hiding back in their own half, I think they do realise they're losing this game, yeah? <laughs> it's just a bit strange. But, I mean, Carl, do you want to go through the West Ham team? I know Paqueta, um don't know why I said his name, like Paqueta. Um, he, he's probably been their best player of the season so far. Took a little while to set in the David, settle into David Moyes' side last season, but probably Europa Conference League knockout stages on his probably been their best player for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to be honest, I, I think this is sort of leans into what Jim was saying before. I don't think it took, again, the time to settle into finding his best rhythm. I think it took West Ham too long to find out how best to use him, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the time last season, early on in the campaign, early on in the Premier League campaign, especially when West Ham were really struggling, it was very, very quick balls down the flanks to either Ben Rama or Bowen. It was looking to counter-attack down the flanks. It was looking to go long to Skamaka when he was in the team. None of this goes through Paqueta. None of this makes use of what is comfortably their best playmaking uh, technician in the team. None of it makes use of his ability to drop between lines and, and find little pockets of space behind the midfielders. So I do think it took them way too long um, to find out how best to use one of their better players, basically. And I, I don't at all mind what they're doing this season with it. Like we spoke about it on Scouted, where Alvarez has obviously come in as, as a real ball winner, a very reductive defensive first midfielder, and he's in there alongside Suchek today. And mm-hmm. that's a really good base for them to perform from. But obviously it means that one attacking player has got to be moved out because Ward-Prowse stays in the team and they've got three let's say, more central players than rather than forward-thinking players. But Paqueta is so good in terms of his movement and where he looks to get involved in West Ham's build-up play anyway. It doesn't matter too much if you put him wide because he'll just float and do whatever he wants. So I don't have a problem with that little alteration that they've done. I think it's important that when they moved on from basically playing Rice and Suchek together every single minute of every single game, that they did have a bit more variety in their game. And you saw, even if they weren't impactful today, some of the subs that they had able to come on. Gudas came on, we've spoken about him loads. They didn't bring Ben Rama on today. Um, Fortnals came on, but these are all players who can play that second line, but in a lot of different ways. Uh, and I do think as the as the season goes on against the middle teams and the bottom teams, those options, as much as the quality that they have, are going to let West Ham win a lot more points than would normally be the case when he just doesn't change anything. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can integrate Kudus, etc. Um so you mix it up, as you say. But we'll get into the game. We'll get into the game. And, Jim, I'll come back to you. Um, we didn't start too well. Um, it was a bit of a back-and-forward start. But in the sixth minute, um, 
West Ham thoughts are safe from Allison. Then the minute later, Antonio spoons ahead of we should probably be losing at that point. It was it's been the well, we mentioned it when we joined the Skype call. It was better in the second half. <laughs> and we have certainly found our fashion of starting games poorly, and I thought this was a continuation of that, unfortunately. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, it did. I mean, we. I mean, the last two games we've had to come from a goal behind. That seems to be something that, you know, we're getting this reputation for. Any game you watch now with Liverpool, and there'll be some mention of how Liverpool have come from a goal behind before, and um, and we should have had to have done that today because that was an amazing save from Alisson. I mean, don't take anything away from the effort, but that save from Alisson was it five six minutes in? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was outstanding, and that's that's why we paid that money for him, and that's why time and again. A lot of us have said it, you know, he's been the difference between us winning things and not winning things because, you know, all, all the attention goes at the other end with the strikers and all the rest of it. And um, the times he saved us, I mean, not just the, the time he went and scored the goal that got us in the Champions League, the, you know, the, the just times in games when he's just had that presence about him. And it's not always just the big saves like that was. It's, um, I mean, there was a moment later on in the match, he shouts keep at the top of his voice, gets the ball and, and a little bit of a maybe worrying moment from West Ham dies out because of his decisiveness and because of the respect he's got from his teammates. Um, but still, the fact that we're getting to this point five minutes in, it's just that thing about Liverpool. We just don't seem to get out of first or second gear until too far into a game. And this time, you know... <laughs> There were chances that West Ham will be disappointed with themselves. There'll be chances that they'll be having nightmares about tonight that they missed when they're on that plane or coach home, however environmentally friendly they are. They'll be thinking about chances that were missed because that could have been a totally different first half for them. The scoreline at halftime could have been totally different and could have made made life so difficult for us and really tested us to see whether we can keep coming from a goal behind. I'm glad we can. I'm glad we've got that in our in our you know in our skill set now in our sort of improvements that we've got, the reactions we have to things. But my God, I'd love it if we just sort of go into a game and try and win from the first minute instead of, you know, sort of saying, come on then, you know, invite us on. And it's, I don't know, I'm starting to wonder if if that's how we need to get motivated now, that we can't get motivated until there's something happened. You know, we're sort of becoming a little bit, are we becoming a bit too reactive? It's just a bit of a worry. And maybe I'm overthinking it, but... Um, I mean, the, the score lines from the last three games, it's starting to sound like a song, isn't it? 3-1, 3-1, 3-1. But, you know, um, end of the day, you win. That's all that matters. And having players like Ali in the squad is, what, is what's going to make a difference for us this season, as well as all the players in front of him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're the world's best keeper, who's not in the best 10 keepers in the world, obviously, as we know from FIFA, uh, <laughs> is uh, it's always nice to have when you've almost got a good goalkeeper there. It's <laughs> amazing that we've got this amazing best kept secret. Nobody knows. Nobody knows mm. how good he is. And then they're surprised every game. 
Absolutely. It's absolutely. Wish we had that Onana chap, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it would help. Um, Carl, I think the, the dodgy starts to games, it's not about one thing, obviously, it's about the whole collective thing. But one thing I don't think is helping, especially whilst Trent's missing, is the right fullback doing the inverted fullback thing. <laughs> now, I think Gomez. Sure. Well, there was one particular instance where he, he took the ball nicely, and I think he skinned a couple of players. But Carl, I mean, Joe Gomez inverting at the midfield just sounds and doesn't seem to work too well for me. I know we got the win, but by the time the second half started, I think we did stop doing that as frequently. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure of this inverted thing, Carl. Well, look, I mean, I don't think that Gomez should be asked to do it. I don't think he did it anywhere near as much today as he did against, uh, sorry, mine's gone blank, Wolves last week in the first mm-hmm. half. Um, I, I think that, you know, last week basically he was asked to do the exact same job and obviously it took until sort of half time for us to realise this isn't helping him or us. Today I thought he was largely very good. Obviously he did go into the middle on occasions, but by and large I think he was... Um, simplified the the job that he had to do today i think it helped liverpool once he sort of stopped having to even think about going in there uh it definitely helped him i thought joe gomez was really good today so yeah most of that is because he didn't have to basically fulfill two positions it's it's a physically really really demanding job that trent has to do and he's able to do it because he's obviously a very athletic very uh, intelligent player very capable and confident in terms of receiving the ball in any area it's not necessarily all Joe Gomez's game so it's not I, I was quite surprised that he was even asked to do it against Wolves to be honest but I do think we've we've tempered the amount he's had to do um uh, this weekend at least so I, I don't think that it should be done by anybody except for Gomez uh, sorry except for Trent and potentially Basetic, but we've only seen him obviously get one go at it so far. So mm-hmm. that's first, that's Thursday night stuff. That yeah. <laughs> or Wednesday this coming week against Leicester, you can yes. give another go at doing it then and just see how it goes. You know, there must have been a point when he worried me a bit that he was doing this because I remember I wrote down somewhere, can we all just agree that we don't do this unless Trent and Canate are both playing? Yes. Um, I mean, maybe in a more calm way, I can say as long as one of them's playing because um, I think together they can build up an understanding and they've both got that that brain and that skill and all the rest of it, that speed to kind of make it work. But there were times today when I thought, I don't know, you just sort of look at Matip and think, my God, the poor lad, you know, this is not, this is not, you know, a position for him to be playing in. Um, and then you'll do another thing on that as well is, which kind of goes on from what, what Carl was saying is um, if someone said to you, Trent's going to play in midfield the rest of the season, because we, we decided that's where he can play. There wouldn't be that many eyebrows raised about it. If you said Gomez was going to start in midfield for the rest of the season, people would be asking if everything's okay. Is Klopp needing something? When we no. got relegated, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. So, um, the reason Trent's good at doing that is because he could play as a midfielder. You know, he's got that in him. And then, it's not alien to him to be doing that. Whereas for Joe, he's good at what he does, and that's not him. Yeah, and that's the thing. Even if he is good on the ball, I mentioned, I think it was in the first half where he, he, he turned into midfield to why? <laughs> it's impressive, but you still shouldn't be there. Just looked wrong. Um, but yeah, I think I do agree it was um, tempered down a bit pr- from last weekend, um, Carl. But it's still a bit of a weird sight seeing him in there, but I think Trent should hopefully be back next weekend. Um, anywho, we'll, we'll talk about next weekend in the middle of the week. Um, Carl, this is where we do start to play a little bit, and it seems to be a lot more counter-attacking football from us. Um, Darwin and Diaz counter 
Um, I think that's about 10 minutes. I, I've seemingly given up on timing my notes there. Um, but that does eventually lead to the penalty um, on the 15th minute. Um, I think it's a Aguer who gives away the penalty. Salah just does him like a kipper and it's clear as day, really. Does him like a kipper. It's been a while yeah. since I've heard that. I much appreciate it. Thank you very this much. This is a Brexit podcast after all, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, to be honest, in that first sort of, let's say, 15 minutes or so, um, we hadn't really seen too much link play between midfield and final third. Uh, but the front three had a couple of, like you say, counterattacks or you know balls from quite deep, which one of them chased, and then they linked up quite well with each other. So that that front three that, like I said, we've been waiting to see, or certainly I had, and other people I'd spoken to had been eagerly anticipating it anyway as well. Um, they all linked up there, and it was really nice, really good work from Darwin at the beginning of it. I know it's quite easy to overlook that with what happens later on and the fact that it was a penalty and everything, but that all started with him winning the ball, turning and making a really diligent pass. And that last little bit, where he actually really concentrates and makes the right pass and makes it accurate is the bit that Darwin struggles in in deep areas sometimes. Like he's really forceful and he'll, you know, he'll do the the, the legwork and he might win the ball back. But then sometimes in that just dead easy pass where you just want him to get it right, he doesn't sometimes because he's already taken off in his head maybe and trying to get into the box. But this time he did and he set Diaz away. Nice little attempt to obviously return play. Just about a really really important touch obviously from Nunes because that did take it away from Aguirre and then Salah. I mean, if there's a, a more cold-blooded person in the penalty box at the minute than that boy anywhere in England, I, I would like to hear who it is because he's just ridiculous. doesn't really seem to matter how many defenders around him, what the angle to goal is, what any kind of situation of the match it is. He just always knows what he wants to do and can execute it. Obviously, it doesn't always, always come off, but he still knows what he's going to be doing. And that's that's a big thing for forwards that usually the not-so-great ones fall down on so much. And yeah. I don't know how many people were, let's say, actively wanting him to be the one on penalty duty because obviously there's been a couple of misses recently. Um, Nuno scored in the week. I know Dave mentioned maybe he becomes the penalty taker going forward, but Salah didn't look asked in the slightest when he was taking that penalty that was going in as far as he was concerned and certainly hit that way, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Jim. Absolutely, Carl. Uh, coming to you, Jim, I mean, it's interesting what Carl says there about Mo Salah being you wouldn't trade him for anyone in terms of being in that position in the box. It just it might just be a Liverpool biasy thing, but he doesn't seem to be getting talked about at all in terms of the wider scale media. And if anything, it's almost like understated start to the season. But I think it was Sai who put out the stats the other day, and it was like a goal or an assist every forty-four minutes or something like that. It's weird that it, it continues to have... We have this player who should be in Premier League all-time teams and it just doesn't seemingly get the plaudits or the roses he deserves still. I know, and I, I wonder... I mean, we, we had to talk about this on, on Scouts and Tommy's the other day and as Jay pointed out, all this stuff about him moving to Saudi, the, the big thing that's being forgotten in all of this is that he's not ready to move to Saudi. He's not at that stage of his career. He's not... Um, at the point where he can't play 90 minutes every week. He's not Eden Hazard. <laughs> he's, not, he's nowhere near. I mean, I, I say whatever his age says on his date of birth, change that by five and you're more accurate to what kind of player you've got. I mean, whether he will suddenly fall off a cliff at some point and his age will tell, I don't know. But he, he doesn't play like a player who's 
getting a bit older and he isn't he even that old um i don't know why he gets forgotten about but you know the, the whole stuff with saudi just shows the way everyone's buying into that i mean i don't believe that was ever a realistic bid it was a um it was too late in the summer if they've got the money yeah. to spend on a play you do it early on and get it done don't you get it sorted you don't leave it like that and it was just a bit of pr a bit of stupidity especially when you're speaking to them the month before for two other players yeah exactly it just it, it just didn't add up and and what also makes it not add up is that he just wouldn't go there he's just i mean as i said jane hit the nail on the head he's just he was just wouldn't be right for him that'd be like you know it's like when you see a load of five-year-olds played in the park and someone's 14 year old comes along to join in and just runs rings around them all showing off you know until one of them kicks him in the knee um you know he just wouldn't look right more playing out there so that's not going to happen but again a bit like with ali you know this is where it takes he's our best kept secret again people just aren't noticing him and yeah i think i mean and you can talk about the assists and you can talk about the goals um not everything that gets mentioned in every sort of high level stat is all the other stuff he does i mean there are going to be stats showing it but there's just this um it, it, again it's like a leading by example thing with him he does so much you know he, he's always to me got a smile on his face he's always he's always trying he's always making the effort he's showing others what to do um he's always got you know such imagination in him you know and not just imagination he can actually do something with what he's imagined he can make something happen with it um we've got to um you know do all we can to keep him but i just don't feel worried that he's going to go um maybe the you know maybe the rest of everybody in football the so-called neutrals who never seem that neutral to me somehow as a liverpool fan um but the so-called neutrals and that they're more interested in Darwin, aren't we? They're, they're more interested in just crucifying the lad and waiting for him to make a mistake because of what was at the time a, a huge price tag and now isn't. I mean, let's face it, Darwin's price tag now is pretty um, average, maybe. You know, slightly above average, maybe, but it's not massive in today's terms, the way football's gone already. Um, yeah, it feels like the way to printer to just fall and fail and, and they can all just have a laugh about him, which let them... Um, it's not the finished article still, but that's good because we're going to turn him into one. We're going to polish all those rough edges off and, um, and what sort of play we're going to end up with, we'll see. And I'm sure that I'm excited about that. And maybe the time, by the time that happens, Salah will be ready to go and play somewhere. Um, let's say less taxing in more ways than one. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Very good. We've had kippers and we've had tax joke. I like it. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, Carl, we do, Obviously, we score the penalty. Salah just fucks it down the middle, basically. He doesn't even smash it. He just tries to break the net. Um, we do seemingly start playing from that point on, and West Ham obviously finished the half quite strongly. But this is where we start to dominate the game a bit more. There's the odd chance on the counter for West Ham. But this is probably where our midfield comes into it. And um, there were some really nice moments from McAllister defensively and defensively, which we'll come on to uh, with the uh, with Darwin's goal later on. But that midfield balance, obviously you've been a long um, supporter and fan of Jones as well. D- do you feel like this midfield's improving every time they play together? I do. I, I think, to be honest, today was, uh, for Alexis, his best performance, yes, but best performance mm-hmm. at number six, more importantly, because yes. that's obviously where we're using him at the minute. Um, first half, I thought he made two or three really important interceptions, tackles, um, stopped their counters, made a run across someone, didn't do anything to the ball, just made a run across someone and stopped them getting into a, a decent position. Uh, I do think that we still leave him a bit exposed, but obviously there's you know cohesion and fullback issues to go along with that, not just the midfielders. Um, 
but in general, yeah, this was, I think, the the best overall midfield display that we've managed so far. I thought Curtis Jones was excellent throughout, to be perfectly honest. Like one gave the ball away later in the match, I think that was mm-hmm. about it. But beyond that, I think he was like exceptional today. Really, really diligent with his ball work. Very, very quick to get back defensively. And also what we saw today that I hadn't really seen beforehand was him and Soboslai switching sides quite a lot, especially in the first half. Like Soboslai was yeah. left side, left channel, flicking the ball all the way to the other flank or making sort of dips inside to try and get a shot away. He didn't really do it much in the end, but it makes a defender come out. It leaves a little space to someone else, slide the ball across. Uh, he set up McAllister, I think, for a, a shot which he's kind of skewed wide in the first half, which was very much because of that as well. Um, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed the the dynamic of midfield today, and maybe Sobosly didn't hit top gear all the way through because he's been exceptional so far and was only very good today. But I think the other two probably put in their best performances of the season. I think you know I was thinking as well. I know a few times it was said on on Raw and other places on here last season, maybe the season before that that Curtis, the biggest issue for Curtis was he just wasn't getting a run of games. He would be, um, you know, he'd play, he'd come in here and there, play maybe different roles and then he'd disappear again. There's a lot of talk saying maybe we need to send him out on loan, which I think was a good shout because he needed he needed the football, he needed the games, he needed that um, experience. But in the end, he got the experience because he broke into the team, kept his place time and time again. Um, the difference in the Jones that we've got today to the Jones we had, whatever, 12 months ago, to me, it's a massive step he's taken and, you know, that that shows what you can get by just just having some patience and getting giving the young lads some time, giving the players that maybe are fringe players some time, because if they don't get those minutes, they're never going to learn, are they? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll I'd hold my hands up and I'd say I was wrong about Jones. <laughs> um, I was probably one of the ones who uh, thought he, he could do with a loan, and maybe, maybe he could have if it was a bit earlier. But coming into this season, obviously ended last season excellently as well. Probably a player of the last. 10 games or so. Um, but no, I think he's shown a lot of people um, to be wrong about him, to be fair. And he's, he's just really settled into the side. Hopefully we just get over those injury issues. We obviously had that scare where he had to go off for about seven years for some reason. and wouldn't be let back on. Um, I think that's a new ruling. Don't you have to be off for like a minute or two minutes or something if you get checked by a physio now or something? I um, don't know. It just, I just think, is it there or is it that the referee hadn't turned around in all that time and hadn't noticed him? He just, it was just play was still too close to him to be allowed back on, to be honest. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's one of these silly things in football that could just be fixed quite easily. I was thinking if it is down to the referee letting him come on, you know, why why can't one of the other officials over on that side just say, go on, lad, off you get, on you get. Uh, it just, just seems silly. I don't think we need a ref watch today as well because I thought Chris Kavanaugh was actually just not important to the game at all. He just seemed to get everything yeah. right, which is not Hardly nice. noticed him, which is just what you want from a ref watch, isn't it? You just don't want to know he's there, really. Maybe it's Trev's fault. Hmm. hmm. Question mark. Well, he could have more of an, more of an impact on the ref today. Maybe that's That's true. They were scared. They knew he was watching. <laughs> um... Yeah, as I mentioned, we did start to play from from after the first goal. Um, I've noted down some lovely passes by Dom to Moore. West Ham do have the odd free kick, and obviously Ward Prowse probably the best dead dead uh, ball specialist in the league. Um, but we do have our own in there with with Dom taking our free kicks. Doesn't seem to be on corners just yet, but well, we scored off a Robo corner, so can't complain about them too much. Um, more counter attacks from us. Uh, 
Mac playing from deep passes to Diaz. Um, that one ended up with a McAllister shot from from the edge. Um, we saw a lovely Van Dyke uh, diagonal, which we've not. Had, it seems we're seeing less and less, which I don't like. Um, McAllister, I think, is of the big tackle in the box where it was just nice and impactful. Um, there's a Jones injury. That's my next note. <laughs> he was off for too long, but we'll we'll move up to to their goal, Jim. Um, we just defended two tackles. We've defended them quite well, and as the amateur I am, I've left no- notifications on on the sofa score and my Twitter, so I knew the goal was coming. I thought it was going to come from one of the corners. We defend both of them. I'm like, was the notification wrong? And then we just don't seem to defend well after the second corner. We just get lost. There's no left back. Van Dyke seemingly not picking up Bowen well enough at all. It just seems after the two set pieces, we we were just a bit all over the place. Yeah, I mean, before the game, I did wonder. I thought, it's very windy today. Are we going to get Moisey going for the old Route 1 stuff? And to be fair, it wasn't really that kind of thing from Moisey today. But, um, you know, not to the extent it can be. But in a way, that felt a bit like a, a sort of Route 1 goal in the sense that it was just it just turned us around so fast. Um, but in all honesty, when I looked at the goal, I was fuming at first. When I looked to the... And again, like you, I already knew it was coming. So I was literally paying a lot of attention to this in, in sort of real time because I'd just seen my phone pop up. And... Um, I didn't expect him to do that, to be quite honest. I didn't expect him to um, have the effort with his head, so to speak. Mm. And I don't think Virgil did. It kind of kind of wrong-footed Virgil in a lot of ways. It was probably, if anything, it was just almost unpredictable that that's what you're going to do. That's the last thing you'd expect, maybe. Um, it just, but it was. It was just this sort of, um, I don't know, this complacency that we sometimes have in a way that, you know, we, we don't quite go for the kill. We, we've got them. You know, we've got them. We're a goal up. Let's Let's finish them off let's let's put this game to bed um but i don't know it just feels like this is something we're going to see a lot from liverpool we just you know we, we are vulnerable at times and it, the, the the quick turnaround more than anything was just what it is i think and 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 you know let's 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 be honest let's give some credit to the lad for the goal because yeah, um absolutely it was inventive if nothing else um they saw the opportunity um and we did that a few times ourselves similar kind of moves to be to be fair as well so um that one just came off and yeah i mean i don't think we can kick ourselves too much about it you know we should we should go looking through it and seeing where we where we were wrong but um i think the way we're playing we're going to be open to those things now and again. I'd rather us be up at the other end of the pitch trying to make it to um, than sitting back and fluffing something and it ends up, we end up conceding anyway. Yeah, I think that's the issue, Carl, is that we obviously do try to play a lot on the counter-attack, especially with the new front three, I think. Um, just maybe too aggressively trying to get up the pitch, just left, obviously, Robbo um, a bit high up, couldn't get across, uh, and then Van Dyke and Matip are a bit all over the place at the back. Yeah, I mean, look, this has been an issue not just today, but in lots and lots of games, and it is still one of the things that we need to sort out because like, West Ham are a good team all round, but they're not the best counter-attacking team in the league by a long shot. And the spaces that we do leave behind the full-backs, either side of Alexis, uh, when the centre-backs obviously this time around managed to get themselves on the wrong side of each other, these sorts of things will cause us massive problems against, I'll take your pick, you know, really good counter-attacking teams, whether it's Spurs, whether it's Arsenal, uh, sort of at the higher end of the table, or people like 
uh, Brentford, Brighton, um, who are around, you know, the second sort of group of teams. They're, they're, they're all very, very good at it, and they will cause us a lot of issues in those sorts of fixtures with that kind of approach. So it is still something to work on, but I do think that we've got better at it over the last, let's say, three games or so compared to the very start of the season. And more importantly, we've been able to not give quite as many away as we did in the first couple of games just by being better in possession ourselves. Like If you look back to that Chelsea match at the start of the season, despite the fact that we started that match quite well, how we played the rest of it was fairly awful. Like, And it just looked like we weren't mm-hmm. fit. We weren't, we weren't energetic. We weren't really anywhere near ready for league football basically and and it's a it's a very very big difference to how we are right at this minute so hopefully that's a progression the defensive work obviously is still a work in progress but hopefully we're progressing there as well and uh you know by the time now well the next two league games certainly are going to be important to to take steps forward again and maybe being a little bit more pragmatic at times is going to be part of that and i think robertson might well be a make or break kind of part of this issue to be honest if he is like a couple of times today he went really really quickly in towards Sufal trying to tackle him and he was just knocked past and run past and that's it it's all open yeah blank, you know so I think it's quite important to try and I don't want to say rein him in because obviously he's he's had this mandate for for years now to get forward every opportunity to press really high and all the rest of it but we do have to be aware that he's a bit older he's not quite as quick at the recovery as he was and we're a lot more exposed than we used to be as well. So there's got to be a balance struck. And I think, again, today we probably saw that it's not there yet. Imagine trying to get Andy Robertson to slow down, though. I mean, that's going to take that's going to take some time, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, maybe slow down is not what we need to tell him. But just <laughs> stay, stay doing all the running, but 30 yards further back downfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And think a, a bit more thinking as well. I think as well, isn't it? From from what you from what you're saying as well, it's not, um, you know, think ahead. You know, read the game a little bit more. Um, you know, you're an older player now. You're more experienced. The lads are looking to you for, for for guidance as well. The younger lads. So you know, just just the thing you get from older players generally is that they've been through it so many times they know something's going to happen before it does you know and we need to see him um using that instinct a bit more because i'm sure he's got it for sure hello i'm here to annoy you i'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on epl index We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, obviously he's captain of Scotland as well. And as you mentioned, the EB... He's vice captain with Trent out, isn't he? So yeah, um, be and he's always been one of the louder voices in the dressing room, hasn't he? Horrenda has mentioned in Discord the referee was booed off at halftime, but that, that's got to be standard. The referee was all right. <laughs> um, yeah, we were booing him or Moisey. <laughs> that's true. It might have been both. Might have been both. That was, that was for not letting Jones on, wasn't it? It was just before halftime, wasn't it? Ah, uh, that's probably a good point. Yeah. 
And we were probably human about the disallowed goal, to be fair. Which I know is not the man in the middle's fault, so to speak, because it goes down to the man drawing the lines in London. But that wouldn't have helped matters. Yes, and moving on to that goal, Jim, I'll stay with you. I mean, it's tight. It's just off. And it's kind of annoying because it was a fucking lovely goal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Dom, fantastic pass. Nice finish by Jones. But he's just just gone half a second too early. Yeah, I mean, when when I saw it, sort of, in real time and ignoring my phone. In fact, there we go, because I knew my phone was on and I hadn't had any sort of buzzing from it. I thought this can't this can't be counted. And um it was so close though. I mean it was probably half an inch, but as as someone once said, you can't be um only just pregnant. You know, you you either are or you aren't. Um strange analogy, but it, it kind of works. And yeah, it, it, you know, literally, you know, we're talking a slight bit of movement slightly later and he wouldn't have been offside. And that would have been um, certainly from us unbiased people, one of the goals of the season. Um, everything about the builder, but just about him as well. And this is, again, I think another sign about much he's improving as a player that he's got the confidence to make that run, to make that effort. And I don't know, sort of the, the old Curtis Jones would have been almost sort of sitting back and thinking, you know, no, that's not me. That's not my place. I, I know I'm not one of the lads that does that. And now he is. He is one of the lads that's got that confidence um, to do that. And we know he can. Um, and I hope if nothing else, as much as it's annoying to him that he, he didn't get counted, that he realises, you know, again, another little reminder to himself of how good he is. Um, and to his teammates, you know, get these chances set up because you've got a lad there who can finish them. Yeah, we do. And it was nice to see. I think we kind of mentioned it whilst we were talking about the midfield. There was a lot more rotation in there. There was times even when McAllister could get forward and you see Dom dropping into the sixth position. Jones, obviously, on the end of a Dom pass um, for a near near goal. It's it's really nice. And when those relationships keep building up and up, it's it, it's going to become like clockwork eventually yeah when um, kind of compare i mean try, try, not, try not to go overly brexit podcast but when people <laughs> talk about the red arrows and you see those wonderful british planes flying through the air and you know just near misses and just sort of sweeping in and around each other in this wonderful display um you know in a way that's what you that's what you want from the liverpool team you want this kind of you know this relentless onslaught from these little fighter players that my analogy is going bad now but you know it's that interchange and just that where the hell are they going where are they going to be and he just you know it bamboozles people, doesn't it? It does. It does, and it's nice to see. Um, that's basically half time. And Carl, how are you? How are you feeling at half time? Obviously, one all, kind of annoying. We started this half poorly. We could have slipped up a bit, but the way we played after our goal, coming in one all, kind of annoying. Um, no, I was feeling smug. It was going exactly as I told you it would. Um, no, I mean, it messed, look, look, I think 1-1 was probably about right simply because we should have been one down at the start, like you mentioned at the top of the pod, you know. Um, the two the two chances, one that Ali saved and one that Antonio Antonio Dwight. Spooned. <laughs> um, we should have been at least a goal down. So then to be much, much more back on top and scoring the opener and all that, scoring the opening goal of the game is, is noteworthy in itself, of course, for us. So that was nice for a change. I think being level is fine. If it had been 2-2, probably nobody could have said, you know, that, that that's not right because they had such big chances. Um, but I wasn't too disheartened because we'd shown so much more quality than them and so much dominance of the ball during sort of the middle third, let's say, of the first half that I didn't really expect anything other than we come out and do that again and we would create chances. And yeah, like I say, I just had quite a lot of 
optimism that the the players that we did have in attack today would certainly be capable of uh, putting the ball away when we needed them to. Yeah, and you could see a change of level after the halftime um, interval. We just seemed to be on the front foot a lot more. There was a lot more control in the game as well. Maybe that was a bit to do with West Ham either tiring or just not being able to match the level as well. But I think basically most of that second half, we were in control of that game, Carl. Yeah, I think so. I think we... Apart from, I think, maybe the first couple of minutes right, right after the restart, I think we basically dominated the territory really, really well. We kept West Ham pinned back. You you mentioned about them not really doing anything when they were 2-1 down and you know needing to realise that they had to do something to to try and get themselves back in the game. I, to be honest, I think that that was largely because we didn't let them. You know, the areas that we were positioning ourselves off the ball but when we were in possession, the rest of the players who were off the ball was so good. It was so diligent. It was so aggressive, forward thinking. We were in the areas to just stop them playing out. And it, a lot of their, when when we were attacking and had slower build-up play, they just couldn't go anywhere. You know, they didn't really have lightning quick outlets. They didn't really have, um, you know, a really, really good hold-up player in the attack to let people join up from deep. They didn't really have any passing outs. Um, we were just very good at hemming them in, I thought. So I was pretty impressed like I said that midfield display especially off the ball especially the defensive work how quick they were at recovery challenges I think that was comfortably the best sustained period of of pressure that that we've seen from them this season I think that that's Mm -hmm. a large part of why we ended up winning this game in relative comfort to be honest yeah absolutely absolutely um we'll go through a couple of the incidents before we get to the goal um opportunity for Diaz uh just hits to cross the ball, then just goes straight to Ariola at the near post. Uh, Jim, Darwin, he likes a sitter still. <laughs> you mentioned earlier on about opposition fans um, taking the piss out of him. Doesn't help when he misses like this, but at least he made up for it a bit later on. But no, this uh, this was a bad one. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of a nice way to sort of explain it away. You know how, how you do. Like if it, you know if he, if I was talking to him now, say, come on, Darwin, you know. Um, he tried, didn't you? And he did try, but it's that thing about, I don't know, strikers, you hear so many times that a centre-forward will tell you that they don't need to look for where the goal is, they just know where the goal is, and it was almost as if he'd forgotten slightly where the goal was because of how wide it went. Um, it, you know, he was a quick, you know, he, he did take the shot quickly, but I don't know, they just need to show a little bit more composure, but again, I think these are all the things that's going to come with time. Um, he's got all that natural instinct, all that natural ability, and he just has these moments where um, he doesn't quite get his head in gear or get his feet in gear, or at least get them to talk to each other, and you see these misses that leave everyone laughing because, you know, when I talk about a YouTube clip for someone who can make themselves look imp- impressive because a few cameo moments, people who hate Darwin, I'm sure, can put a good YouTube clip together now to slagging him off. But the thing I always like about Darwin and have done since he joined us is that when the, things do go wrong like this, when he does miss these chances, he doesn't sort of have his head down. He doesn't sort of then go stupid and have, um, you sometimes see players overreact to a miss by having three stupidly pathetic shots when they should have passed, you know, from long distance and or, or getting a booking because they start fighting with the defender because they just they're so frustrated. He doesn't get that. He doesn't do the frustrated thing. He kind of smiles, laughs it off. And most of the time, sooner or later, he'll go and have another go. And as we saw today later on, this time 
making much more better work of a much more difficult chance. So mm-hmm. I think it yeah, especially right. helps he, now he plays right into the hands of his uh, of his haters, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. I think it helps now he's probably more settled into the Liverpool squad as well, because I think the last season at times it was like, I have 15 minutes here and I'm not starting the next game, whatever the hell I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think having that, that red card early on last season as well, that kind of almost set the scene for a lot of the season that we missed him for three games and um, three games that could have helped him to get bedded in. And then you're right. For, for me, after that, he, he never became a kind of first choice player which again feeds into that whole narrative about him being a waste of money but I think there's something about Klopp is that um, if he doesn't think you're ready you're not going to get to play you'll get to play when he thinks you're ready and and for us fans that can be frustrating we're thinking why the hell is he not playing why are you playing that lad instead of him but you know time and time again it's worked out right hasn't it that Klopp's had the right amount of patience and, and waited until the right time to get them in and get them you know playing well and you know playing in front of us all the time and um to me he's sort of doing that with Darwin now because we're seeing a player here who I think yeah apart from that moment and the odd moment we get from him he's got a goal in him every game I think the other thing about Darwin that we're seeing this year is so much more work rate off the ball such yeah. diligence you know the, the, the technical part of his game yeah I agree has improved that's probably a confidence thing as much as anything but the off the ball the tactical where he's chasing back where he's doing really really good presses and winning the ball back all of that is so much improved yeah, yeah, and it helps probably have an assistant refer- uh, assistant manager, Tiago, helping him as well, seeing he's not doing much. <laughs> um, but no, I, I agree with that. Darwin is, it's, you hear it on UP every every week, um, just the improved levels from him in terms of pressing, but you can see it with your eyes. Last season it was headless chicken stuff, like closing down. Almost, it, Robbo used to do it, where he'd chase about eight people. I think Darwin was a bit like that, but it was just so uncoordinated, whereas now you see it in packs with Diaz, with more, etc. in the midfield joining in, obviously. So that that's a really nice development to see. And I think, as I mentioned earlier on, I'm not sure what the minutes per goal or assist are now, but it was sitting in the 40-odd min mark. <laughs> so it's probably been helped today. Um, obviously comes off, um, I think, about 77 mins, or maybe a smidge later. Um but we'll talk about the goal. Um, Carl, I'll come to you. Um, McAllister, we've, I'm sure we've all seen the 007 memes for our defensive midfielder. That I can't remember what the opposite, opposing fan was, but hey-ho, he beat the 007 meme that was going around about him. It's a fantastic pass from McAllister, but the finish from Darwin. The harder chance, piece of piss. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it was a really good ball. Uh, I really like the movement from Darwin. Obviously, he's positioned himself between the two centre-backs, but side on so that he's got the ball to his right foot. And obviously, you need someone excellent to execute that pass. And we do, McAllister. Um, it's not bad when you have a World Cup winner being your main conduit for, for balls into the box from deep. So it still, I think, was a goal only Darwin could have scored out of our front players because... You know, if you say Salah has got the explosivity and Diaz has got the explosivity, but neither of Jota or Gakra probably have, but neither Diaz nor Salah have probably got the big long reach um, beyond the defender and before the goalkeeper with one leg that Darwin has. Gakpo probably has that, but would he have got there? Probably not, certainly not at this point. Um, so I do think that 
you know, it's it's not the greatest goal in the world ever, but I just think that he's the only one who could score that goal, how it fell to him. Um, and like you say, much, much more difficult goal than the chance that came before him. I think probably given the chance, again, he would have taken a touch on that first opportunity because he was already away from the defender, but possibly didn't know he had so much time and space. Um, it came at a moment when I think we probably needed it as well because we had had quite a bit of dominance without too many clear-cut chances as well. So it was... Uh, a very, very nice breakthrough moment on the hour as well. Yeah, I forgot to mention that Bowen had a chance uh, a few minutes before as well, which was probably their biggest chance of the half. I think it was a header from a wide free kick and he just hit it straight at Ali. But after that, West Ham didn't really have too much apart from maybe a lucky ban- uh, bounce opportunity a bit later on, but that wasn't really a chance. I think that's um, what I was thinking as well when when um, when we when we just before we scored that they had that that save again from Ali and um, you know our saviour once again. Uh, although for some reason another thing I was watching he kept being called Ali Son, which yes I had that as well. It just, it just sounded wrong to say it like that way in the middle. And I know this is a Brexit podcast. Maybe we're we're just being British, but you know, it <laughs> um, was though. I think that that was a wake up call to me that we'd had all this pressure. We were. And we were putting them under a lot of pressure. But then there's just that moment you let them through, you let them in with a chance, they don't score it. Um, we needed to put this game to bed, we needed to get that goal. And it, it, it did come at the right time because I think we couldn't keep encouraging them um, to know that, that they can take a bit of pressure and then have a go at us because that was my worry that might be what they're doing. Um, I think mean, I know at half time the pass. The pass uh, tactic, just the basic pass tactic, was we sort of it was literally double um, passes from us to them. So, you know, you're starting to tire them out. But by letting them sit back like we did, it's just that worry that they're going to go and um, smash and grab something. So we needed that. We needed that wake up call, and we got the goal. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I currently have Sheffield United Newcastle on in the background, gentlemen, and it's 3-0 Newcastle. And this game is on TV over the free games that were on at the same time as us. Uh, Just saying. Uh, Premier League decision making, uh, fantastic as usual. I also, before <laughs> I watched today's game, kept seeing that patronising clip about how watching illegal streams can cause the end of the world and things. I'm not quite sure. Um, an advert I keep seeing on TV um, about watching streams that it's bad. Um, if it's that bad, then why do we have to watch illegal streams to watch a game? <laughs> can someone sort that out for us? 
Well, I enjoyed my trip to Hong Kong this afternoon. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it was, it was difficult, but we yeah, did it. It, 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 was, it was a nice flight, wasn't it, Jim? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a quick one. Um, where are we? We got after the goal. Uh, Moore's tries a filthy pass to Diaz. Um, Carl, is it just me or is Moore trying to get the assist record for the Premier League? He, I know he got a hat-trick of him last week and he's just trying absolute filthy passes every time he gets anywhere near the box now. Uh, I'm assuming he's got a bet on with uh, Trent. You know, it's normally Robbo and Trent have a, a bet on each season. And obviously, Robbo has probably bowed out this year because Trent's in midfield. So I reckon he's challenged Mo. And Mo's like, right, you're out injured. I'm getting 20 before you come back. Yes. Do you, do you, do you get an assist for your own penalty? I know if, you, if you're brought down and then someone else goes to the pen, you get the assist, don't you? You but, get a fantasy Premier League assist. I don't, yeah, right. I don't think you get a Premier League assist. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I was going to I was gonna mention this sort of towards the end, but. I mean, like for for the penalty, nobody gets an assist for it, obviously, because it was a foul. So mm. nobody officially will get an assist. But like, Darwin did a lot there, and you you mentioned about his you know uh, goal contributions per minute at the minute. Right after this game, Darwin's got a goal or assist every four to six minutes of play across all competitions. But he wouldn't get one for that penalty, even though he's had monstrous involvement, and it mm. won't be scored without him because even mm. uh, Diaz's pass across to Darwin. Darwin got the touch, obviously, which went to Mo. So, you know, if you're looking at who set up Mo before the goal sort of thing, obviously that's another Darwin one, but it doesn't, it doesn't count towards his, his uh, contributions per minute, but the contribution that he is having in our attack at the minute is just, it's really, really impressive. It's nonstop. It's not always the most clean. It's not always the most uh, visible or noteworthy as in the way that some, some of Salah's assists and creativity is, of course, but it is non-stop at the minute, and he's. Let's not let's not be anything other than completely clear here. He has won his place in the side at the minute because he's been playing yeah. really, really effectively. Maybe not the best, maybe not in top form, but he's effective. He really, really is. Um, Salah is worth obviously noting as well. He's on a goal or assist every 64 minutes. Uh, Diaz 99, Gakpo just got one goal so far, so it's 268. Jota. A goal or assist every 51 minutes. So he's actually second for us at the minute because obviously he's coming on and scoring from three yards out sometimes. Super sub. I wouldn't expect that from Joe. Trying to just remember, I'll just remember loose passes from Joe, not two yeah. goals and stuff. He's had a weird start to the season, but we'll come on to Joe. Um, but no, they are some phenomenal numbers from our forwards. And Gakpo has obviously had the spell in midfield. So we need to stat pad him. We need to. Whoever the hell we got in it. League Cup, get him a hat trick. Um, we need to fix that. Um, where are we? Uh, we had that more filthy pass. Um, we had that lucky bounce. I think Van Dyke just left it and it nearly fell to Bowen, but Alison would have saved it. 100%. Um, then we make some subs. Jim Gravenberch comes on for Jones, as we mentioned throughout. Jones had a really good game. I think they brought on Kudus and maybe Fornells just before this. Um, some good options for them, to be fair. Um, and then Gakpo and, Diaz, uh, Gakpo and Jota come on for Diaz and Darwin a bit later on. Before we make it 3-1, Jota scores just a tap-in after a nice uh, header by Van Dijk. Down towards the corner and Jota just taps it home. Porch's goal. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as the subs are concerned as well, I was thinking... Um, when he made the subs, I thought, God, we've not we've not made any yet. But I didn't feel like we needed to, which is um, an unusual feeling, really, because far too often in games this last couple of seasons, I've thought, you know, we're at 60 minutes. I'm thinking, come on, you need to do something here. But 
I was pleased with the lads that were on, and um, it just it just gives you so much um, reassurance when you can bring such quality on. Because I'm thinking, you know, we've got that front three that I think most people feel is probably our best front three at the moment. But to have those two lads on the bench, Darwin um, Diaz go off, Gakpo Jota come on, um, plenty of other clubs would love to have those two players that came off the bench um, starting their games for them. Um, and it's just, as we said before, West Ham may be starting to tire and you've got two lads coming on full of energy, but not just that, hungry, because forwards are. I mean, a decent forward hates being on the bench. I mean, um, Sadio Mane demonstrated that a couple of times and didn't like being taken off. And these two lads are coming on and you bring them on, um, you, they're trying to prove the point. You know, it's it's healthy having competition, something we've lacked at times this last few seasons um, in certain positions, definitely, but... Right now, if you sort of don't look any too far back, um, we have competition just about everywhere. Certainly, midfield and attack. Um, it was, it was just one of those, wasn't it? It was just him. Um, brilliant sort of pass back from Virgil. Um, Jota poacher, right spot, right time. Doesn't really very often make mistakes when he's that close. Although you know, not many would. Maybe Darwin. Um, just what we needed. Um, to me, there was just still that risk. I still had that fear that um, for as well as we were playing, for as much control as we had, there was this, still that sort of potential smash and grab thing from them to just get a point. And um, I don't know if yourselves as well. Sometimes you can sense it in the crowd. There were just those little moments where we're sort of messing about, wasting a bit of time, wasting a bit of chances, um, being a little bit wasteful with possession. Everyone gets frustrated and, you know, it can turn against you. Um that was it and I think that was I mean I wouldn't say I was worried all game certainly wasn't but that was the point where I really felt uh, finally we've got this in the bag I mean if I'd had Carl's enthusiasm obviously I'd have been much happier um, if I'd had that crystal ball but this this was the moment I just thought right it's sorted and I do think it makes a difference being able to bring you know a couple of other faces on um, fresh slightly different way of playing just deal, you know just up against tired defenders yeah, it really was, really was. Um, and as you said, the options from the bench are nice. Gravenberch as well had a nice uh, debut midweek. Um, fortunately, the injury was only cramped by the sounds of it and came on. Yeah. Nice little cameos again. Not not overly involved, but I think the game was basically just there to be managed at that point. But uh, again, see him Wednesday? I presume it's Wednesday. Yeah, um, I don't you just have the goal, actually. We started singing Show Them The Way To Go Home. And I'm not so sure we would have been singing that before the goal. Um you know, because it wasn't in the bag at that point to me, but it was at three one, yeah. definitely. Two two one's a horrid scoreline. Mm. You're never you're never comfortable there. Um and my last note for the game, lads, is that Allison just fancied assist be fancied an assist because he just played a beautiful eighty yard pass to Jotter, I think it was. But it wasn't Mo Salah, so it doesn't count. <laughs> um and didn't lead to anything. Um any Anything I've missed there, lads, or any players you want to bring up before we go to uh, plugs and finish up? Not for specific players, but I just want to sort of number a little bit of things from the midfield that just highlights, like I said before, that this was far and away the most accomplished, uh, what are we going to call it, a collective from the midfielders, uh, from the three of them. Like I just apart from the movement of power from the rotation of the positions and the control that they allowed us, like the actual, you know, numbers behind it sort of highlight again. So it was like uh, four chances created, which was more than anybody else. All the midfielders had at least one shot. Gats um, Jones made four tackles, which was uh, higher than anybody else in our team. Um, 
nobody made more passes than Alexis and the pass completion rate from the three midfielders, 93% for Dominic, 95% for Alexis and 96% for Curtis. I mean, they were just completely on it all game long. And I think that that is definitely the platform that we need to acknowledge, which, which gave us massive control in this game. Yeah, I thought it was interesting as well to see, you know, are, are we deliberately planning to have McAllister in this role for the future? Because it feels like we are. And is he growing into it? To me, he is. Um, we'll see as the season goes on whether this is going to work out, obviously, because against some teams, it's maybe not not the kind of thing you want. But then again, on the other hand, when you've got someone like Trent playing, um, you get the ability to have more cover in midfield as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. But he does feel at the moment that um, against what most people expected, that McAllister is going to take this role and be sort of moulded into it. But we'll we'll see. Um Against the opposition we had today, apart from, as I said, a couple of worries about smash and grab, which is probably more my nerves than any any real need to be fearful of anything. Um, this midfield was exactly what we wanted, as you say. This this was a midfield that can get the ball, win the ball, use the ball. Um, you know, and you, the front three must be so happy to have that, that trio behind them, the way they've been playing. And just the other thing as well, quickly, as you mentioned earlier on as well, the understanding between them is just growing and growing and growing. You know, these are players who, you know, They've all had different amounts of uh, time with each other, but certainly the two newer lads in there are, are new, and it, it's we're starting to just see those little signs of telepathy where you they know when to make the run, they know what kind of pass they're going to get, and the goal from Darwin was a kind of example of that today. Um, you know it's worth making that pass because you know what that player can do. Absolutely, absolutely. And sticking with you, Jim, any any plugs for uh, the coming week? Yeah, we've um, we're hopefully going to do another scouter, Tommy's again. These games are coming thick and fast. Um, we've just done about two three ones. We've had another three one. So let's see what we're going to be talking about after the League Cup game in the week. Also, I'm due to be on Radio Merseyside tomorrow between six and seven to talk about the weekend. Um, obviously, local radio, so they'll have to have an Everton person in and. I can imagine they're going to be so excited because they got the first win, didn't they, this weekend? Um, not sure who it is, but I'll, I'll have to be nice to them and everything. But yeah, if you've got if you've got the ability to listen to Radio Merseyside, it's all online as well. Feel free to have a listen um, and listen to me being nice to an Everton fan. Dad, worst plug ever. None of that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be nice, will I? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Just laugh at them. Just say it was only Brentford. Um, uh, Carl, anything from you this week you want to bring up? Uh, I will have a, a post-match piece, but probably not up till, mm, I presume, Monday, maybe Tuesday. Uh, to be honest, on Liverpool, I'll probably do something North London Derby related once I watch it back, because someone had the good idea of putting our game and theirs on at the same time. Obviously, we play Spurs next, so I will be needing to watch that. Anyway, for uh, Scouted, um, we will have an early in the week Scouted, which will vaguely touch on League Cup. I don't think Dave wants to do too much on on. Do we call it tertiary competitions this year? Because we've already got a secondary one in Europe, haven't we? You say that he's in. He's doing the League Cup Raw. He is. He's a hypocrite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we'll have something at the start of the week, and obviously some questions and that to answer from Discord as well. We'll have the Tottenham Scouted towards the end of the week, Um, and I don't really know what I'm going to write towards the end of the week. I haven't really decided that yet, so we'll have to see. Um, just in terms of a last little uh, stat for you, just because you were saying about Salah being under the radar, excellent. Uh, a very, very quick check on goals plus assists this season so far in league matches for everyone in the Premier League. The only one who has more than him is obviously Erling Haaland, who gets 26 goals a match, so that's fine. 
uh, around the entirety of Europe, top five leagues, the only people with more than Salah's seven goals and assists are Robert Lewandowski, who has eight, uh, Victor Boniface, Leverkusen forward, who also has eight, really, really good start to the season for him. Uh, Haaland, who we've just mentioned, is on nine. Harry Kane scored three yesterday for Bayern, so he is now on ten. And Sergio Garassi, who has managed to get himself 10 goals in five games for Stuttgart, is on 11 goals and assists. Bundesliga is not, not canon. I was going to say, they've got crap defenders over there or something. Yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, I mean, even if he's um, not, you know, Ballon d'Or form or going to be, you know, best player in the Premier League or get any kind of headlines whatsoever, he's still sixth in Europe out of all the forwards at the minute. Another good stat just to look at as well is uh, the league table. Um, okay, we're not top, a couple of points behind. Um, but there's a little bit of light opened up between us and the teams below us because, of the, you know, we beat one of the teams that was close, quite close to us. We've um, seen other teams drop points. And so, you know, we're, we're just getting that little bit of um, six games in. I mean, so much better than where we were six games in last season. This this. You know, it's a good sign. League tables are always worth a look. Although, of course, it's the one at the end of the season that counts. Yeah, if under the league table at this point, we should probably also point out we have the second best defensive record, despite the fact that we do say we've got things to work on. Always Good. room for improvement, Carl. Absolutely. Always room for improvement. But yeah, as you say, undisputedly second now. Um, we have Spurs, then Brighton, I believe, after the League Cup. Spurs, then Brighton, I believe. So if we get max points from them it's, it's been a near flawless um start to the season the only bad thing is that chelsea result is looking worse every time chelsea play because <laughs> that's that we can't deal with that now uh, which is a bit of a nuisance but hey ho we'll finish up there thank you everyone for listening thank you to carl and jim and especially big thank you to everyone listening in discord live as well but it's, i will be It'll be me for midweek for Leicester, and I presume Trev is back for Spurs, which I think is the late kick-up for on Saturday. But till next time, goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.